Welcome to Imposters Anonymous. Thanks for joining. We have some important housekeeping today, but as always, before I really get started, just a reminder for any new listeners of the show, I would highly encourage you to check out the intro slash trailer. It provides some really helpful context about the nature of the show and, and what makes it a bit unique. And it's it's only about seven minutes long. It's, it's not a major commitment, but I, I do think that it's quite helpful for people to start there so that some of what is different about this show isn't lost on, on new listeners. But for those who are returning, thanks and, and welcome back. But for this episode in particular, we actually had some minor issues with audio on the front end and we lost a few minutes on the front, of our, front end of our conversation. So you'll kind of just be thrust into things as far as this one goes. But just to provide a little bit of context, I had asked KS essentially about how our identities can often become entangled with our work and our creative outputs and essentially the dangers of framing inspiration or brilliance or anything on that front as some sort of innate or permanent state. So yeah, that's that's essentially where we jump in here and thanks for your time and I hope you enjoy. You don't know how lucky you are being a monkey. The past is just a story we tell ourselves. I am the smartest man alive! How do we know if uh, we're in control? So I had this series that I created in 2000 and 2006, 7, 8, and it was kind of over in 2008. I, w- I was like done with it. Um, and I, I created it in response to, a, you know, to my experience at that time, the age that I was, the things that I was going through. And it was a really successful series, um, completely sold out. People loved it. It really took me far. And then I was done. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have that inside of me to create anymore. There was no inspiration for that. that. It didn't exist in my body. It didn't exist in my soul to create anymore. Like I literally would sit down and try to create it. I just couldn't. I couldn't make myself do Mm -hmm. it. It It wasn't present for me. And I needed to create something completely different. And the next series that I did, people did not like it at all. (laughs) It did did not go Mm. over well. Right. And it was, it was devastating for me. Yeah. And it took me a really long time. I never, I've actually never spoken about this, but I think, I think part of the reason that I took such a long break from my art and now I'm just coming back after so many years. I think part of it, I always say like, oh, I stopped to, you know, raise a family and whatever, which is partly true. But I think there's like something to that being successful and then being not successful, being praised and then being like hated. Yeah. Because the as an artist, you create something, it's 
you. It's like, it's Mm -hmm. actually you. It's you on paper or it's you on canvas or it's you in sculpture form. There's some part of you along with like this divine inspiration, but there's some part of you that goes over there like, uh, like a child. Like, so you don't, you don't necessarily own your child, but there, there's like a deep connection there. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was really hard to be rejected and, um, yeah. to fail so deeply and to be like, to really, you know, like really, I, and the subject of that second series was very vulnerable and I, you know, mm. I put it all out there. And it needed to be put out there for me. I needed to put it out there. Um, and it did not, and it failed. So, um, and I still get people asking me, telling me like, oh, but I really like the map. <laughs> I really like the, <laughs> I really like that map series that you did. And I'm like, oh, like I'm trying to get away from that. <laughs> I'm not that person right. anymore. I'm not, I can't even create that. And I've had people tell me, I mean, and I wonder like, how do other artists deal with this? Like to be put in a box when creation comes from who you are at that time. And if you're not the same person, if you are evolving, if you are changing, then wouldn't your expression also change to reflect Mm -hmm. who you are in that current moment? Like I can't, I, I can't be who I was 12 years ago. I'm not that person anymore. I'm like literally right. a completely different person. Yeah, and you shouldn't be. <laughs> that wouldn't be a good thing, right? I mean, it's. I think it's this unrealistic expectation that we have, and I guess I've largely experienced it from the other end, but I catch myself doing it all the time, and, and you're, you're certainly preaching to the choir here, but I have so many artists or musicians or intellectuals that I... I adore their work, right? And then I look back and I'm you you have that impulse to just be like, I just want more of that. Like I just want that to continue exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because it's it, but it's it's totally unfair. And so when new things come out or, or things don't come out or uh, specifically like Frank Ocean is, is someone that I'm a, I'm a huge fan of as an artist on on all levels and he's he's put out maybe two real albums over the course of maybe 15 years. And it's always this, this anticipation where you're like, when's he going to do something new or when's he going to put something new out? And we're always just kind of on the edge of our seats, hoping for more of that lightning in a bottle that was blonde or that was channel orange. And even if something new came out, it, it probably wouldn't hold up. But even that expectation that there could just be more of that, exact moment in time at what it took of that individual to create all of that and all that it took from them to try to make that happen and to expect more of that in the future is is really nonsense. And I think that's why it's so incredible when you see it, when you see an artist who over time can just continue to reinvent themselves and do new things that seem to still capture people. It's so rare, but Again, it's how could you expect that from from anyone on any level? And and why would you even want that for them as an individual? And I guess we're not accustomed to really thinking about 
artists in those terms or we're not thinking like what's what's good for them or like what what would, what would be yeah, good for their life as far as what, what, what they're creating it's because if you remain the same person for for 12 years i mean that's that's not a good life right you're not you're not growing you're not experiencing new things you, you're not adapting your your views and ideas to circumstance and then that's we, we would consider that to be a very negative thing but still for some reason we just we get so fixed on things that we love and things that we enjoy and as we've spoken to it's just we get so fixed that there's just this this individual in there this self that is is permanent and that is fixed and that doesn't change and that they can always just access this same inspiration or this same source and it's it's simply not true but I think so much of of why we suffer and, and the depth at which we suffer comes from this idea that there's something in there that we we have to be attached to we have to be attached to our our previous experiences even whether you know traumas or mistakes or or failures that it's so hard for us to move on from those things because we feel like I'm I'm still that kid that that fucked up when I was 8 years old like I'm still that I still let my parents down or I still made that mistake and we we just get put on the hook over and over again for things that that really don't have to have a bearing on us uh on on our current selves but uh, of course it's it's all much easier said than done but I I certainly get where you're coming from I was reading an article about um Maluma who I love Colombian um, Colombian artist, singer, songwriter. And um, he was talking about how he's been, during COVID, he's been at his parents' house just writing and writing. And he was saying, you know, when I'm touring, there's a certain energy there and um, I'm doing certain activities and there are expectations of me. But during this time of just being at home, I've been able to be creative like I've never or like I haven't been in a really long time. And I've, I've certainly felt like that exact same thing. And I think, I think that's what we've been seeing, right? Like, you mm. know, whatever your, whatever your mode is, whether it's um, getting into planting in your garden and that's your creativity or getting into knitting and that's your thing. Like people are really taking time um, or were taking time. I don't know what it is now, but they were taking time to really, mm slow down and do something that was just for joy, not for any, not for mm. making money not for any purpose, um, but just something that they liked to do. And really, I think people have in such a beautiful way, even though this has been such a hard time, people have really been looking and are, I think still looking at what's true for me. Like what, mm. what's actually inside of me? What's, what, what's my true experience? What do I want? Why am I at this job? Why do I live in this state? Why do, right. why am I voting this way? Whatever, you know, whatever like ways that we've been doing things sort of automatically, people are questioning their own decisions and their own and mm -hmm. looking at their life and asking, is this what I really want? And um, that's definitely been my experience. Um, and that's not any, I don't think that's an easy process to go no. through, but, but I think we, 
have needed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there anything for you you feel like comes to the forefront as far as things that you reevaluated or just just looked at with a new perspective in the past year? Oh, man. I mean, I think it's, you know, what I was telling you about earlier, that Brene Brown, <laughs> that Brene Brown lecture like <laughs> really moved me because I, for the first time I was like, oh, what do I actually feel joy about? Mm-hmm. And I couldn't really find hardly anything. I was sort of just living this life and, you know, working really hard and paying a lot of money for my daughters to go to school and making lunch and making dinner and waking up the next day. And that it's going, I was going so fast that I did, I was just, my whole life was a blur. I didn't even, I couldn't, and, and I'm a very conscious person. Like I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm pretty in tune. And Mm -hmm. so for me, I think it's just been such a huge slowing down and really taking an honest look um, at what I really want and what really brings me joy and what doesn't bring me joy. That's been a big one. Mm -hmm. Like what are all these things I'm doing that I actually don't enjoy and could I just stop doing them? Mm-hmm. So this year continue it continues for me to be a process of stopping doing things that I am not really enjoying and being able to say I don't want to do that anymore and um I need help and mm-hmm. I don't enjoy doing the laundry and I need to hire somebody whatever it is you know that's right. my the laundry is like my biggest I, I'll just avoid it <laughs> at any cost I <laughs> mean but it has to sure. be done. So there have to be solutions, mm. right? But yeah, right. I mean, my art has been, I've come back to my art after all these years. I've stopped kidding myself or I looked for real, like, um, like I'm being honest with myself and mm. I feel like it's been a time for a lot of people of being honest with themselves in that same way. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like so much, of what we do on a day-to-day basis, especially when we're just kind of stuck in habit and routine, we don't, we don't even evaluate it at all. And I think at times that can be overwhelmingly positive, right? There's certainly habits and routines that are quite helpful. And the fact that we are able to just automate these things Mm -hmm. for that to be your default is, is a, is a great thing. But at the same time, when we, we cease to question why we do things or even what the alternative could be, and we get stuck in this mode of things like shame and, and guilt, yes. more so motivating oh what we do yes. more than anything else. And we don't even really take a moment to to observe that. Like, I mean, even something like you said, it's a, a conversation I tuned into the other day and I, I don't even really remember what it was from, but it was this guy and, you know, I think it was a podcast and he's he's well off, you know, he's, he's one of the biggest names in the business and, and by no means is, is hurting for money, but he was asking one of his guests and he was like, how do you feel as someone who kind of grew up in a similar way that I did very kind of practical and, and somewhat kind of conservative parents. And he was like, is it okay for me to pay for someone to walk my dogs? 
And, you know, the guy was kind of like, yeah, of course, like, why, <laughs> what would be the problem with that? But he just had all these hangups about how his dad would feel about it, that even though he, he pays for all kinds of things, he lives a, a good life, but he just felt this obligation that like, it would be a frivolous thing to, to pay to someone to walk his dogs, even though it's something that takes him an hour a day. And uh, he's got two dogs and a family and three businesses that he runs and clearly has the money to do it. But all that was really holding him back was just kind of weird uncomfortability as far as shame or guilt or obligation to to do so, even though in theory, he could be helping someone else, right? He, even whether it's a, a local kid or whatever to, to, to give them some money to, to do something that is, is helpful for them. And, and it could be a win-win scenario, but you know, it just kind of reminded me your the example that you gave that, that so much of what we do is is tied to what we feel like it says about us for doing it and not what it actually would do for us, right? <laughs> because if it, if it makes your life easier, life is all about trade-offs. And if if we we sometimes get so caught up in even something like, I don't know, washing my car, where I, I feel like that's something that I, I ought to do myself because of how I grew up. And, uh, but at the same time, it's like, okay, if it takes me an hour to do, how much is my time worth? Really? How much am I charging people for my time professionally? And how much would it really cost for me to just have my car washed? And so we don't even necessarily value our time correctly. Cause if that's time I can spend with my wife or doing something really valuable, uh, helping, you know, foster relationships that I have or, doing important work or whatever it is, just spending time with people that you care about that, that you can't just turn away from that simply because you feel like you ought to be doing something. So there's, there's always trade-offs and there's always things that you're avoiding or doing less of because you're doing things. And especially when those are things that you don't like doing and that aren't truly worth your time. Uh, it's, we definitely get caught in those situations so often in life where we don't even really consider that, you could be doing better things with your time and in a way ought to be if, if you have that opportunity to do so. I think that also, I think that also, um, extends to, um, what, what we think other people ought to be doing. That's a big one that I've faced, um, during this time, you know, we were, we were at home so much. I was home with my husband and my two little girls. And, um, I grew up with a dad who fixed everything he could mm. fix and he could build anything that you could think of. And he, mm. any, anything that we wanted to do in the house, he would just make it happen. Like, like magic. It was so cool. And so I grew up thinking that that's how men should be, right? But that's not the husband that I chose. I chose <laughs> a very different kind of husband. And from so many years, I've been having this expectation that as a man, he should be this way. Otherwise, he's not mm -hmm. really a man. Like he's not like a real, he's not a real provider. He's not really supporting mm -hmm. me. He's not really taking care of me. And his um, you know, he has different ways of showing love and I completely discounted those because those aren't the ways that I grew up mm -hmm. with. And so, um, 
I think a beautiful thing during this time for me has been looking to see like how can I more deeply accept people for the choices that they make Mm -hmm. and you know even if I disagree with them um and allow them to live their own life that's become such a I really took it I took that for granted before and I think that's during this time and and I I don't I don't want to get too deep into COVID and everything but like during this time Mm -hmm. where we're sort of being told you know this is what you have to do this is what you need to do with your body whether or not you agree with it you can't think about it you just have to do it and 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 we're and I'm finding like people are really emotional about it. They're angry about it. People are very divided about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went to this lecture the other night, and there was a man speaking. Um, and he he was like, you know, I think during this time, what we, you know, even if we disagree. What we really need to be focusing on is allowing people to choose what they think is right for themselves, because we don't know what is right for somebody else. And everybody's different. Everybody has their own set of circumstances, and we don't know, we don't, besides in our own body, we don't know what those circumstances are. And so, um... I thought that was such an important message during this time when it's so heated and, you know, people just, people just want to move on with it already. They want to get back to the way things were. And so they think they have the answer for how that should happen and everybody should just fall in line so that they can get back to life the way it is. But it, but it's not always that simple Mm. and we don't always understand. I think, what's inside of people or what they're dealing with or, or why they're choosing the things that they're choosing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's certainly something that I've talked about at length on this show and in, in different ways, because it's, it's something we've all been dealing with on one front or another. The, the past year or two is, is just this, this problem of empathy and trying to better understand others as we become in many ways more divided and it's quite unfortunate but it's the truth and so as we see people we see this sort of spectrum growing and people more so populating the extremes of whatever spectrum you really look at and there's lots of reasons for that that we don't really have to get into but it's it's become harder and harder to look at someone that I guess is on the exact opposite side of the spectrum to you, whatever that even really is. And to feel like you really understand what motivates them and why they are making the choices that they are. And it's, you know, maybe it's, it's a little bit of an illusion just based on how exposed we are to it now through the media and through social media specifically that that everything is just so in our face but it, it it does really feel like it's harder than ever to extend an olive branch or to to 
acknowledge our, our common struggles or our common humanity. And as, as you brought it up, you would think, and it's maybe something I've already mentioned, but not that I'd be the first, you, you would think if anything, something like this past year or two, with the pandemic would be something that would bring us together, right? This would be some sort of common enemy, if you will. This would be something that even on a global scale, we could all look at and it, it would be something that would, would be a point of, of unity for us. But it seems to have in many ways done the opposite. And so it's even with that, it's it's become so hard because it is something so deeply impactful and, and so deeply emotional for people that it's it's become harder and harder and and even to say okay well this is this is half of people that feel this way or this is a third of people that feel this way and feeling detached from from a, a large portion of your population of your community of uh, whatever it is whatever that distribution is where it's it's very us versus them and it's you either think this way or you don't and there's a valley between you and as as someone who is certain certainly just in general quite moderate but you can take that politically as well it's it's definitely a it's been a weird time to kind of feel like that 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 valley is slowly being vacated between sides on anything and you kind of have to pick your camp or, or choose your side. And um, some of that feels like it's attached to negative emotions about those who, who feel differently. And I think one thing I always try to keep in perspective is, and maybe it's me being a little bit of a pessimist, but I, I feel like in general, we can only expect people to do what they feel is best for them. I guess you kind of already said this. And I think often we get so caught up in this idea of what is good for society as a whole or what is good for the group, but it's much easier said than done for any individual to have any sort of real means to process and understand that. And so, yes, we're leaning on so much other information and different institutions and different resources and people that we trust to try to formulate that. But at the end of the day, you most people are acting based on what they feel like is right for them and their families. And I think at times that's all we can really expect from people. And again, that, that makes it tricky, right, to, to run a country or even a, a world as a whole and say, okay, we have to aim for something bigger. We we have to we have to move beyond this first order thinking of, you know, it's it's just me and my people around us. But that that is kind of how we're wired to be, and I it's I tend not to blame people for coming by that honestly, right? If you really feel like what you're doing is is right for you and and those that you care about, I can't necessarily fault you for that because that's generally what I'm doing as well, and I might have some abstract ideas about how I feel like what I do or stand for is is good for society on whole, but that's that's all theory at the end of the day. And, and that's, that's all subjective. So it's, it's at least helped me process it in a way to say, okay, can I at least try to look at it through that lens and say, if I was a similar person in a similar circumstance, and I was just trying to, to look out for those around me, how would I behave also based on whatever information I had access to, which is a, a whole other issue in and of itself. 
because people are just working with different sets of facts and, and different sources of information. So I think more often than not, and this might be a controversial thing to say, but I, I do think people do come by their ideas and actions and convictions honestly, whether they be misinformed or confused or motivated by tribalism, whatever it may be. I think most people really are doing what they think is right. And yes. that's agreed. Th that's all you can really own at the end of the day. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, I think most people are, are doing what they think is best. And I think coming to the conclusion of what you think is best has become increasingly complicated. It's, it's, I find it very difficult to find the truth. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, you know, when I, when I look at like my grandparents, for instance, who are now in their eighties in their mid eighties, journalism back then was very different. It mm -hmm. was more, um, I don't want to not, not that it was more honest, but it was, it was more neutral, I think, or more mm -hmm. broad. Like, um, they were really, it seems to me and it seems to my grandparents that it was more, they were really looking into both sides or all sides mm -hmm. and really digging to do a complete investigation um, and give people the facts, like real facts, what's actually happening. And this mm -hmm. could be wrong. Maybe, maybe we're wrong. Maybe it's the exact same as, as it is now, but now mm -hmm. it just feels like very money driven. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the, the journalist is like basically writing an advertisement for whoever's paying right. to whoever's paying. And, and that makes it really hard as a, as a person trying to navigate this world and trying to make these, I mean, some, you know, I like as, as a parent, especially like trying to make decisions to protect my family. It's really challenging. It is really challenging mm -hmm. to find out, okay, what's the truth here? What are the facts and what should I do to best, to best protect my family? Um, it definitely doesn't feel like simple times. Um, it almost in some, some, some days it feels like we're at war. And I, mm. I think, um, you know, I've caught myself on numerous occasions where my family has become secondary and, and I'm not talking about my immediate family. I'm talking about like my larger family, aunts, uncles, like these people that right. I, that were, have always been so incredibly important to me and, um, are still important to me, but like, you know, like they're, they were my rock and I'm, I'm, I'm catching myself in moments during these times, during this last couple of years where they've taken a back seat and this issue is taking, taking the front seat. And mm -hmm. I'm saying to myself, um, I don't even want to talk to that person anymore. Cause I just don't want to, I don't want to argue about it or right. we have two different opinions and I don't want to get into it or I don't want to hear what they have to say or, you know, whatever the conversation mm -hmm. is. 
I'm separating myself from them. That's, that's the result is that I'm separating myself from these people that I love so very much, who love me so very much, no matter what. And this issue has come in the middle of my family, my friends. It's like now I can only choose friends who have the same views as me because it's mm-hmm. too uncomfortable to get into it. Right. So to me, in my opinion, that is a big problem. That is a oh, big yeah. problem. And that might have been by design. You know, if we're talking about conspiracy theories, that might have been by design. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know whether mm. it was or not. I don't know whether this was an intention to separate families and to separate people. I'm not really sure. But I see that it's happening. Mm-hmm. Like people are right. not people are not together in the, the way that they were. People are not mm-hmm. seeing people in the way that they need to. Like human beings actually have a need to see human beings, to touch, to be with each other, to read their faces, to connect, to hear voices. We That's a need. Like what, what would happen if you would take a group of wolves and you would raise them all separately where they were all by themselves, each and every one, or coyotes? Mm-hmm. Would they Would they survive? No. They need to be together, right? Like, isn't that mm. that's like part of their nature? They 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 have certain needs for socialization, mm. right? <sighs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think only time will really tell what the I guess long term impacts of of this time have have been for everyone across many dimensions, whether it be social or political or even just personal health. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's obviously something that is incredibly important and we're, we're social beings We're we're meant to be in, in communion with one another in, in some way or another. And I think we already are, have unprecedented challenges on that front just because of the way that the world is moving technologically speaking. And, and the fact that we're able to have this conversation right now, uh, despite not being actually together again, is, is kind of a beautiful thing, but mm-hmm. also it's different and it's new and we don't really know how to process or, or categorize all of this. And it's, it's kind of, it's an example I, I often use, but I'll maybe link it in the show notes because I always forget the actual name of the author, but, um, it's a book called, I believe in entertaining ourselves to death. And it was written in the eighties about television. And it, 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 it seems all very spot on now, but also dated because this guy had no idea what was really to come in in the media landscape, but he kind of talks about how it's not, it's not like television is anything that's fundamentally bad or that there's even necessarily anything that's fundamentally bad, but it's it's often more helpful to look at things in regards to what they displace. And so it's it's not that spending two hours a day watching TV is like rotting your brain per se, but it's the fact that you are now spending two hours a day doing something different than what you were doing before. And what is that displacing? Like, are you not reading anymore? Are you not seeing your friends? Are you not eating yeah. meals together? Are you not like, what is it that you're replacing with this new thing that is at best neutral? And so even if it's not even something like 
in and of itself is, is having a negative impact, if it's displacing things that are important, that's something that you have to look at. So even though this technology we now have, I think it's amazing that we can have this conversation. But if it's at the expense of me having real conversations with people face-to-face or in my life, right? If I, if I spend so much time online or on social media or playing video games or whatever kids are doing now, if, if they're doing that in lieu of actually doing these other things, that's where it becomes a problem. Because if they're doing both, again, in theory, it's it's no harm, no foul, but it's so easy to kind of feel as though like, okay, I have these outlets, I have these forms of connection, so I don't need to really see these people anymore. I don't really need to go hang out with these people to have fun, or I don't really need physical touch or intimacy of any kind. You know, it's, it's, it's a slippery slope where we don't really understand what we're buying into until maybe in some regards, it's too late because we're not really looking at those externalities that are obvious in, in the decisions that we make. And so bringing it back to this whole year, like we, we have no idea what it's really going to look like in the long term. And I know you have kids and I, I have lots of friends who, who do as well. And it's, I certainly have empathy or at least compassion because I, I don't know what it's like, but it's, I'm sure been an incredibly hard time to, to navigate all of that and to figure out whether it be with school directly or social groups or whatever it is, trying to figure out how to limit the damage to, to be frank, as far as, you know, this, this time that clearly is important for, for kids developmentally and that uh, everyone is being stunted in some Mm -hmm. way, shape or form or not able to progress at the rate that we would otherwise. And I guess if it happens to everyone, then then maybe the playing field is level, but still it's, we, we won't know for a long time what, what really happened here, you know, in, in the past two years and, and hindsight of course is 2020. So we might in the future realize that we totally mishandled things or that we did the best that we could, or, you know, we won't really know, but it, it it is an incredibly hard time to to be someone who's making decisions for other people, and, and I guess maybe it depends on how you view children. But uh, you know they're they're little people, and and obviously the the their outcomes matter. And so when you have that added layer of responsibility that they can't make their own decisions, and so you're having to say this is what I think is is maybe best for them, or this is what I I think will benefit the, the most in the long term, but everybody is just kind of doing the best with the information that they have. And that, that, that doesn't necessarily feel uh, particularly empowering or <laughs> it doesn't feel like firm ground to stand on per se, because there's just so much uncertainty and there's so many mm-hmm. new problems and technologies that we just aren't, it's, it's just new. And that's, that's a really exciting thing. And that's a really, a really fucking scary thing at the same time. I went, um, I went last year to an, um, an ayahuasca ceremony. It was my first time doing it. And, um, there was this amazing healer there that I was talking to after the weekend was over. Um, he was saying that he thinks that we are going to have a very large amount of PTSD 
after this experience. And mm. at the time it was still, um, I, I still wasn't like really deeply affected by COVID at the time. I was sort of just trying to live my normal life. And, you know, we had a pod, I was seeing people and, um, uh, just trying to like, you know, we were at home, but it was okay. And, um, I was like, Oh, really? You think so? And, and now, you know, a year later, I'm really, really seeing it. I'm seeing like people are starting to crack. A friend called me, um, reached out to us last week and he was just crying, he was crying and crying. He couldn't function. He wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and um, thank God he reached out. Um, but right after he, right after he called that, like triggered something in me and I had a breakdown. Thank God I'm mm -hmm. okay today. But you know, like during, during that time of breakdown, just, I just feeling so overwhelmed by all of the things that were being asked to process and all the decisions that were being asked to make. And so quickly the pace um, of how things are changing and, and, and needing to figure out where we stand at any moment and what, what we're going to do with ourselves and our family, um, is a lot, a lot to handle. Um, and for me, it became too much. And I think <laughs> just wondering if we're like all cycling through this, um, you know, sort of taking turns, having, having our own individual breakdowns, whatever that looks like for the, for each person will be different, but, um, this is, yeah, this has been, um, it's been a super challenging, super challenging time. And I think, um, I, I wonder if, if, if people are thinking about like the mental health aspect of all of this, like it really does have a big toll on our, on our general mental health. It is mm -hmm. having a big toll on it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess it, it obviously depends on who you ask and it's once again, one of those things that I, I don't think we'll, we'll fully be able to contextualize for a really long time and it, it might be decades before we can really look back and say, wow, like these are, these are the trends, you know, the data is just not here yet. And so we're just not going to have it for a long time to be able to really look back and see what, what the differences were and what, what the final outcomes were and, and what the final numbers of all sorts were and what that really means because in the moment, I think it's one thing and then we, we do our best because we're very good at it as humans to kind mm -hmm. of put on a face and survive, survive and, and just carry on as, as, as much as you can in regards to just keeping things relatively normal. And so we've had to adjust and, and then we've had to adjust again and then a third and a fourth and a fifth time and, and people continue to do so. And I think that's what's been particularly difficult is as soon as people feel like they reach uh, a new sense of normalcy of some sort, changes again, expectations change, information changes, what you thought was true maybe wasn't true, any, isn't true anymore. <laughs> and 
I think that is where it really starts to take a toll is where you're like, I thought I was doing the right thing. I, I thought I had everything in line. I thought I had just rearranged my life to make this all work. And now it's like, oh, well, no, now we know new things. And that, of course, is how life is always on some level. But now it's just been in such a short timeline. And it's happened so many times that that people haven't been able to establish that baseline and they haven't been able to, because we're, again, we're very good at it. And if you give people six months, they can adapt to almost anything. Mm -hmm. But when things continue to change, it's, it's impossible. And so it's, everyone's been trying in, in some way or another, and, and maybe in, in some more healthy ways than others for some. And I think those who have been able to find outlets or, resources or, or community in new ways have thrived and, and those who haven't have have really struggled and um I, it's hard to say even for me where i stand on all of that because i don't think i'll know for a long time how i really dealt with all of this and as someone who tends to maybe even to a fault sometimes be very very good at uh coping with things at least on a surface level that at times I, maybe because the way I grew up or some of the things I've dealt with in my life, but I, I definitely can acknowledge that I'm someone that's kind of hard to phase and that rolls with the punches and whatever it is, I feel like I can take it in stride. And I mean, it's, it's been a really rough year being 100% honest in, in ways that relate to the whole pandemic and, and completely unrelated. Uh, personally, it's, it's certainly been the hardest year of my life and I'm, I'm feeling all right, but I, I might not in a year, you know, I might not in a couple of years. And I, it's the jury's really not out on how I'll process all of this in the long term. And I think everybody is also living in that mode a little bit where they're, they're hoping like, Hey, maybe we're over the hump or, or maybe we've dealt with the worst of it, but often that's not really the case. And it's, it, time is really the only the only teller of of what this all means and then when we're able to get some hindsight and reflect a little bit is is maybe when when the lights really turn on um so i, I certainly hope that that down the line i'll i and, and and everyone will be able to to process it all and and come to terms with the decisions that they've made and the losses that they've experienced and whatever it is that they've been through and to give themselves some grace and, and to have some empathy for others. But again, much, much easier said than done. I always tell myself that um, everything is happening for the right reason. And that's a <laughs> an anchor that I hold on to uh, that makes me feel sane, you know, whether it's the truth or not, it's uh, it at least makes me feel like there's an order to everything and um, I'm in the right place. And so maybe that's the truth here as well. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely something there. And I think it's it's something I've gotten into on, on the past few episodes in, in one way or another is what it really means for people to have a compass or, or an anchor, as you put it, just having something to, to hang on to and to feel like is a guide or is it something that you can say, 
something simple that you can reduce things down to. And whether it's necessarily objectively true or not, I think it's important for individuals to have something and to feel like there is some meaning or or purpose or just reason at all for what's going on because it's a it's a really scary and chaotic and and suffering filled experience to have being being a human and not to be morbid but it's it's the truth and so without that it's it's not an easy thing to do and it you certainly shouldn't balk at any any sort of comfort that you can find that's genuine and if if there are things that make you feel better and that aren't harming anyone then why not you know you, you kind of have to lean in sometimes and take the low-hanging fruit and just say hey if this <laughs> if this helps me if this helps me get by if this helps me feel better then then maybe that's okay uh for right now even if i don't feel like it's bulletproof you know <laughs> Speaking of things that um, help people feel in a different way during this time, has that been like a sort? Um, yeah, in a way. I mean, I think as of right now, this project itself has been my my primary outlet. And I guess to to kind of put a date to the project, it's about a year old now. And so when I started, it was was pretty. I guess it's kind of hard to remember timelines, honestly, in retrospect, but kind of peak everything was was about a year ago and uh yeah it was just kind of primarily maybe not primarily but at least in an ancillary way devised as an outlet for myself because i i knew that i needed one and i wasn't finding that elsewhere and i obviously i love my wife very much and i was able to have very deep and intentional and insightful and helpful conversations with her to try to process it all and, and for each other. But at the same time, I, I had to acknowledge that that's, that, that can't be enough for anyone, right? And that we shouldn't feel like we're trapped in, in, sort, in these echo chambers where it's, as you kind of said before, you're, you're insulated by people that think like you and it's, it's, it's worse than ever. Obviously social media has, has inflated this problem, but people are only speaking to people that understand them deeply and who have similar worldviews. And that is magnified to the highest degree within an intimate relationship where you have someone who understands you better than anyone else. And so, of course, it's a beautiful thing to be able to share everything and to explore and to, to process and to ask questions and, and to see all of the crazy things that are going on in the world and to be able to speak candidly and say like, what, how do we really feel about this? And, and compared to how we're supposed to feel about it and how do we move forward and, and how do we behave and, and knowing that these, at, at the time it didn't feel like I could have these conversations with anyone else. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, that's not, that's not good. That's not, that's not a good thing for this to be the only space in which I'm having these conversations. Of course, I value it so much as much as anything, but at the same time, I should be able to do that with more people. I should be able to do that with people I, I just met as, as I have with you. And so I tried to create something that allowed me to continue to process and continue to express myself and my opinions and my perspectives and to ask questions, but 
to start doing with people that I didn't know and that people who I don't necessarily trust or that I don't have this sort of intimate relationship with. And so it's, it's definitely been helpful for me to be able to just have conversations with people of, of all different kinds of perspectives and, and to hear a really wide range of how people have been dealing with all this and, and changing their lives and, and coping and, and everything. Cause at times there's a spectrum and that's not, that's not what we're really used to these days in, in, day-to-day life is we're used to kind of being in our echo chambers. And so most people around us kind of at least outwardly feel and think quite similarly. And it feels, it feels a little bit dangerous and uncomfortable to put ourselves out there and to say things that are unpopular and to say things that might even make others uncomfortable, but that that's so important for us to be able to do that because that's how we learn and that's how we grow is by getting things wrong publicly and making mistakes and that being okay to say something that isn't okay for others and for them to be able to tell you like, hey, that 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 hurt my feelings or that this is why I think you're wrong, or, you know, whatever it is. But when we stop having those conversations and we stop getting things wrong and we stop really expressing ourselves honestly, we just end up, you know, hearing our own echoes and kind of ostracizing ourselves more from the, from the world at large. So I think at least on that level, this project has, has been quite helpful for me to be able to, to get myself just a little bit outside of my own bubble Mm -hmm. and to just keep at least saying words, right. Just having things come out of my mouth and, and, responding to things on the fly and having what I feel like is is so important for us as individuals, just even a sounding board at times to to express things and to have people help audit our ideas for us and to to help improve our ideas together is, is something that I feel like is is definitely lacking. But um yeah, I don't I don't know if you feel similarly about your work or, or the project you've been working on most recently uh, or any other kind of medium as, as of late. I love that your work is um, connecting you to people. I don't, I don't feel that, I, I don't know, like it's, it's tough now. Now I'm sort of like moving into, okay, so here, so let me back up. So, you know, it's been, it's been like a year and a half of me working on this series, right? I've just been sort of by myself you know, with my Mm -hmm. family, but in my mind, like processing all these things that have been going on and I'm processing them down on paper with these Mm -hmm. collages, these large scale collages. So it's been a sort of, it's, you know, like a, like art can be, it's been sort of a solo insular process. However, now I am moving into that space that you're talking about, about connecting with other people, um, because I'm Mm -hmm. about to have my first showing of these pieces and see how people respond to them Mm -hmm. and see what comments people have about them. So I'm like putting these ideas out there in public and awaiting response and Mm -hmm. awaiting reactions. Um, and I guess that, and I guess that's the way that art uh, is creating a dialogue um, and bringing people together, hopefully bringing people together. But at least, you know, like you were saying, you feel that way. 
I feel this way and this is why like this. I, th- mm. I think you're wrong or I have a different opinion and you can still have yours. And, um, and so I guess for me, that process is beginning right now or soon. Um, in November is this show and like really the, that the opportunity for these different opinions to be brought to light or same opinions or discussions mm. or whatever it ends up being, um, that, that time is coming, coming up. Mm. Does that, is that a source of anxiety for you at all to kind of anticipate it <laughs> the world? If you will. <laughs> I mean, try not to think about it. It's yeah, I mm. think it is like if I'm really, if I actually like really get in touch with, if I allow myself to go there, um, you know, like we were talking about before, I think art is just, it is that it's so vulnerable anyways. Like even if I was just Mm -hmm. making a painting about, like if I just made an abstract painting that was from a dream or, you know, whatever, like wherever Mm -hmm. I got it, or I didn't have a particular inspiration or it wasn't, it, it didn't have a message, you know? then I think that's vulnerable. But then you add a whole nother layer of, I'm like, I'm actually saying something that sort of could be controversial has already proven to be controversial. My, um, my friend, Samantha, who's taking care of my art, she's going to be the one, um, representing me in, in Shanghai for this art fair. She said that, um, you know, in a, in a way she was sort of joking, but in a way they had to like kind of smuggle my art in through the border because Mm. it's, it's controversial. It is, it, 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 it makes people feel uncomfortable. And so it's uncomfortable to make people feel uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to like, um, and that's definitely not, 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 yeah, it's definitely not something that I feel comfortable with. However. I had to, it was like a call, you know, like it was like a call that I had to answer. And, um, I think that, you know, this is just my way of, of expressing that other people have their own ways. Like other people go to protests or they, or they sign petitions or they talk to their friends. Everybody has their own way of expressing sort of what's inside of them, what they're, Mm. what they're going through. And this is, um, this has been my way and it just had to come out. I can't, I can't, I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't leave it in. It metastasizes if you leave it in. So, mm-hmm. so, but yes, it's, it's, uh, brings a little bit of anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I didn't mean to, uh, necessarily prod there, but <laughs> <laughs> let me take a I catch my breath. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I mean, I think it's, it's perfectly understandable. And, and as you said, I think knowing and, and having observed the nature of your work, I'm sure that's, it's not that it was a rhetorical question, but I, I know like, obviously all things considered, you can't, you can't totally detach yourself from that. And the fact that you know that you speaking your truth and, and really sharing what you want to express is, is something that, that's going to upset some people or that's going to make some people uncomfortable. And that that's never an easy thing to do. And it's, it's something that again is, is maybe harder than it's ever been right now to, to put something out there and 
to not be able to be there every single moment anyone is experiencing it to defend yourself and to <laughs> provide ultimate context. You know, it's I'm actually it's, so it's glad. I'm like, I, I actually <laughs> feel like really relieved about that part of it, um, mm-hmm. which is maybe like an easy way out. But it's, 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 yeah, it's really, it is that, that part of it is really vulnerable to like, yeah, to be there in conversation. Um, with all the things that could arise, maybe nothing will, mm-hmm. maybe nothing right. will, but it could. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think to that point, ultimately it's, I think that's, that has to be part of the point, right. Is, is to, to elicit a response and then whether it's, it's positive or negative, it's people have to take it for what it is. And often it's art can be a, a mirror, if you will. Right. That it's everyone processes it differently. And how you process it reflects what you are struggling with on the deepest level for yourself. So it's often not really that much of a statement about you or even the work itself, as far as what an individual does with it or, or says about it. It's more them just speaking to to what they carry and what they've experienced. And, And so in a way it's, I mean, maybe on a subconscious level and, I guess it's a little abstract, but it's it's kind of therapeutic for people to at least have something to respond to and to maybe to reflect on regardless of how visceral of their response may be, but it's at least something that is making them feel and is making them think. And in time, maybe it's just another data point for them to decide how they, they ultimately want to feel about these things. Mm. It's a beautiful thing. I mean, isn't that the whole point of art? Like what you were saying, to to elicit a response, to elicit a feeling, to have people feel something. Is that is that is is isn't that you know we could say there are probably lots of definitions of of art, but isn't that one of the definitions of of a piece of art? Is that it makes you feel something. Mm-hmm whether that be yeah. you're sitting down and watching a ballet performance and it makes you feel awe or you're sitting down and watching uh, a concert and it brings back memories from childhood or you're looking at a painting and it makes you feel angry about what's happening in the world today, whatever it is, there's a feeling coming up inside you allows you to see something deeper within yourself and allows you to have a feeling and having Mm. a feeling is such a human experience, such a beautiful human experience. And I think, I think, um, seeing a piece of art that moves you, I was, I was going to compare it to to television because we were talking about that earlier. I think television also elicits a response, but there's something about, art or, or, or even like reading a book or, um, being at a concert, something where you're not, um, you're not like with a television, you're, there's like a, an aspect of being programmed. Like you're, Mm -hmm. you're taking in something that somebody else is programming into you with reading a book or looking at a piece of art, um, or listening to music the experience is much more interactive in a way where um, 
you know, with reading a book, you're creating images in your mind. You actually like creating with, mm. with a, looking at a piece of art. There's if if the piece of art moves you, there's something happening, something being cre- created inside mm. of you, some response that is not is 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 your own. It's not that the artist made you do that. It's your own response based on who you are and what your past is. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you agree with that? What do you think about that? Yeah, no, I mean, I think there's definitely some insight there. I mean, I think it's it, there's definitely a bit of a valley there between what it's like to to read a book or, or to watch a movie or a TV show or whatever. I guess the lines are kind of blurred there now, but I think there are, there are certain mediums that are, are more fundamentally generative as far as the, the audience's role in it and that it, it does force you to, it forces you to do a little bit of the work yourself, which is why, mm-hmm. especially someone with a writing background, right? I mean, that's essentially the best thing you can do to become a better writer is to read more because mm-hmm. it's they're they're just parallel experiences. That the more you read, the, the the greater you increase your capacity to to do the very same thing that the author is doing, and so it it it, it definitely feels more interactive and of course you know watching a tv show still on some level can be interactive and everyone's going to see it a little bit differently but definitely a lot of that magic is taken away and in that it's everything is kind of spelled out for you and by the end everything seems pretty clear and i think really good movies and really good television maybe tries to blur that line and tries to leave some things unsaid and unseen so that the audience does play a role in that so that it's less linear and it's it's a little more ambiguous and and so there 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 is that interpretation there that you get in, in other more traditional forms but it's it's definitely an aspect that i think we sometimes are beginning to lose or at least forget about that that is as i was speaking to before that's something that we're displacing right we're we're displacing our own role in the experience assuming that the point in the first place is simply to be entertained as opposed to, to influence our ability to also be creators ourselves. Right. I don't think people outside of the industry really sit down to, to watch movies and, and think about it from that lens, right? You're not yeah. saying like, how would I make this movie or, or how would I shoot that differently? Or how would I write this scene differently? Right. Like that's, that's only people who do that stuff, but I think there's still the potential for that, but it's just, it's much easier to just be totally passive and to just be a consumer as, as opposed to a, a creator, if you will. But again, the lines there are often blurred as well. So it's, it's definitely an interesting thing to keep in mind. And, and I think any of it, any of it that's done well does, it has to, at least in my opinion, encourage the audience to become a part of it in some way, shape, or form. Well, and I wouldn't blame anybody for um, using that as an experience. I mean, I think a lot of us 
myself included, use that as a, as an escape mm-hmm. and we need it. I need it. Sometimes I really, really need to escape this world and go mm-hmm. to a completely different yeah. world. And, um, and that medium, those mediums give you the ability to do that in the way that nothing else can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm glad you brought it up cause it's, it's something that, I needed a little bit of a reminder of, um, but yeah, in, in, uh, I guess, respect of time, I think this might be a, a good spot to start bringing things to a close. But one thing that I, I would like to ask, um, before we leave things, because I, I certainly would like to have other future conversations and, and to allow this to be an, an ongoing conversation of sorts. I'm, I'm curious if there's something that we can essentially revisit in the future what is what's what's next for you right now what's what's on the horizon or what what are you working on hoping to work on or even just something you're excited about that next time we talk we can we can maybe address yeah well you know in november i've got this art show at the west bund art fair in shanghai and so that's sort of what's next. Super excited about that. And um, that's kind of the beginning of everything for me in a way. Um, I'm finishing up this series. I think I have maybe five pieces left in this series. Mm. And then I have another series planned. Um, and so I guess what's next after this series is done is figuring out how to create that next uh, thing because it's a big one so a lot of moving parts to that um you know writing grants and maybe residency uh, figuring out like actually like how to produce um a large show type of body of work so yeah, yeah seems like um seems like i'm like right at the turning point where everything's about to change Mm-hmm. and um, it's an exciting time yeah no it sounds like it and mm-hmm. i'll definitely be interested to to keep tabs on that and to to check in with you in the coming months to to see how that's progressed and and how that's changed and, and how it's changed you because it it things can as we've discussed things can really evolve pretty quickly yes. and <laughs> so it, we, we might be having a very different conversation in a few months, but we might, yeah. yeah. And I, I feel I, the same way about your podcast. I'm really excited to see, you know, where you take it and the development. It's been such an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. I, I appreciate you and, and you just simply making time for it and being open to it. Cause I know it's, sometimes it's hard to say yes, right? It's sometimes it's hard to, to do something new and to, to put yourself out there, as, as we've said many times, and just to to give it a shot. So so anyone that does, I, I always have a, a deep and, and long-term appreciation for just taking that leap in the first place. So again, thank you. It's It's been great talking. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll do it again soon. It's been a beautiful experience. Thanks, Brandon. Yeah, thank you. And, and thank you all for joining. Take care. So if you've made it this far, hopefully it's because this project has resonated with you in some way and added value to your life. 
And if so, it would be great if you could take that next step to do any of the things that people are always asking you to do. Subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, share with a friend, give us a follow on social. I know it can feel like a chore, I get it, but it is all rather simple and easy, (laughs) a lot easier than listening to this whole episode. So any support really does mean a lot to me and goes a long way towards helping this show and its message grow. The simple fact that you're still listening at this point already makes this whole thing worth it for me. Anything else is just gravy. Remember, again, please do send your questions and topics to at ImpostorsAnon on Instagram and Twitter. I welcome them all and would love to hear from you. And oh, if you could be interested in coming on this very show, shoot us a message. Seriously, there are no requirements. I'm always looking for new guests with unique perspectives. I don't care about how many followers you have or where you went to school, and I certainly don't want to read your resume. I just like having interesting, candid conversations. So why not? You're all already a part of this project in my eyes, but I'll give it a rest for today. Thanks again. Your perspective is valuable, and I'll see you next time.